Thank you for choosing to listen to our sermon podcast. My name is Chris Mitchell. I'm one of the pastors here at First Covenant Church of Anchorage. If you have any questions or prayer requests, feel free to stop by or send an email to office at anchoragefirstcovenant.com. God bless. Uh, one, one of my sons, he broke his arm when he was four years old. Uh, and it was, it was a really freak accident. Uh, he was running up a hill, not down, up a hill, and he tripped and just fell wrong and, and snapped his arm. Like, uh, and uh, we were on an island. Uh, there, was, there was no hospital there. We were, we were camping. We were, there was, actually, there was like a little festival there, but, uh, but we were camping. And, and there's just a little clinic at the hospital. Uh, and, and there's two doctors that kind of worked the clinic. And the doctor that was there had something to drink and he was not exactly all there. Uh, so, uh, like we were just like, all right, we, we got to go. And we, we were on Orcas Island, um, in Washington. And so we, uh, we had to get on a, on a ferry to get down to children's hospital. And, uh, it took us many hours to get there for him to receive the necessary care. And, and when we arrived at the ER, uh, the nurses and the doctors, they, they really tried to get, get his x-rays and, and set the bones. But he was in so much pain, like that he wouldn't stay still, um, and and so I had to to to, to hold him, because he's four years old, right? So I, I would hold him, and I would just tell him to relax, and and and, and that sort of crisis, right? It wasn't just a physical crisis. I mean, at that point, he'd been in pain for hours, and um, but there's this, you know, like emotional, like you know, his seeing his arm like that, and uh, actually, we have this great picture of him like sitting in a camp chair because right after it happened and he's holding his arm and it's like all funny and then uh, my other son who was younger like sitting standing behind him eating an apple looking like with a big smile on his face and uh, it was the funniest picture um i would show it to you guys but it would embarrass him so instead i'd tell you about it um <laughs> but anyways you know there, there's an emotional pain right and psychological toll and 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 so after having all this pain for hours like, he just would not follow the doctor's instructions. And they'd talk to him, and he couldn't even hear him through his agony. And, you know, so they, they medicated him, they, they, they sedated him, and he was only half conscious. And he was still fighting. He was still fighting. But even then, when he's, like, half conscious, he knew me. And he, he would respond to my voice. And, and he was hurt, and he was scared, and he was panicking. But he recognized my voice. Um, because he, I mean, he's known me all his life, right? He knew me in, in his womb, right? Cause I, cause I talked to him. And, and so through the fog of pain and drugs, he'd still try to follow my instructions because he trusted me. He knew that I, I wanted the best for him. And then, so when the cluster, the clutter of all those other distractions were getting to him, preventing him from hearing and following instructions that would help him. The only thing that really worked was me talking to him was me talking to him through the pain. My voice penetrated his trauma and he, and he could yield to my instructions. And, and even though, right, like whenever you're setting the bones and stuff like that, 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 that hurts even more. They're causing him more pain. As long as I kept talking to him, you know, you're coaching him to breathe. Um, and I had this like little car, I made him breathe on it so I, and I'd make it do flips. Um, he, he, would, he would participate, he'd work on it. Today we're going to be talking about having a yielded posture, a yielded posture in prayer, um, so that you can follow God no matter what the circumstances of the moment might be.
And, and, and this is the last message in our series on prayer. Okay, we've, we've done six. This is the last one. Now, to start with some basic definitions, what does it mean to yield? Um, well, the, the OED, the Oxford English Dictionary, says it means to give away, to allow, to go first. Um, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, I like this one better, adds a little bit more. It says to give up and cease resistance. And I, I really like that one because it's, you know, give up. Especially in this context, give up fighting with God. Stop it. Pray that you can have an attitude that isn't combative with God. I mean, how many of us sometimes struggle with that? Like a combative attitude towards God, right? Pray that your heart won't resist what God's doing. And this is something we need to train ourselves to do. Because you know, just like, you know, until he could hear my son's voice, my, my son could hear my voice, he fought against all this help. He fought, fought against everything that was trying to help him. It's only when he knew that I was with him did he, he cease resistance. Did he give up? That he let himself be helped so he could be healed. And we struggle to do that. We struggle to yield to God. I mean, and the large part of it is just like with my son, right? With that broken arm flopping around. Um, it's, it's just woundedness, right? Because we're all wounded people. A part of the process of living is the experience of pain. Um, we all experience heartache. Things will happen to us that will challenge us emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically. And because of our woundedness, our hurt, sometimes we struggle to surrender to God. Um, and this isn't something that, you know, we experience. This is something that Jesus experienced too. Um, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he struggled to surrender to God. He felt pain. The night before Jesus was arrested, Jesus knew the end of his earthly life is near, right? He knew that Judas would betray him. All of his disciples would leave him. He knew he would be tortured and killed by the world he came to save. Jesus was not happy to die. He did not want it. And even though his whole life lay in the shadow of the cross, right? He knew that that's what he was working up to. He didn't want it, right? He didn't want it to happen. He didn't want to be abandoned. He didn't want to suffer. He didn't want to be betrayed by his friends. He didn't want to die. But he was committed to his Father's will. He was committed to sacrificially love us. And Jesus was willing to follow that love, even if it led to his death. And so he prayed in the dead of night, in the solitude, as his disciples kept falling asleep around him. He kept praying. Uh, this is Mark chapter 14, verses 34 through 36. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch, all right? He's feeling that hurt. He's feeling that struggle. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and he prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. But what you will. In the face of his greatest sorrow and disappointment and woundedness, Jesus took his grief to the Father. He cried out to his Father. He maintained a yielded posture before God. Not what I will, but what you will. And, and all of creation are the recipients right, of, of Christ's willingness to have that yielded posture. I mean, that's the whole point of the, uh, the Christ hymn in Philippians chapter 2. Um, this is a good scripture memory thing. 
chapter 2, verses 6 through 11, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. He yielded. He yielded. And being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself. He yielded. He yielded by becoming obedient to death, even death on his cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus is the Lord, to the glory of the Father. Jesus has yielded posture despite the woundedness of the world around him, the woundedness that he would receive at the hands of that broken world, revealed his glory, his true nature. Our wounds can keep us from God. They can make us resistant to God. Um, but that, that act of resistance, unless it is overcome, it keeps us separate from the only one that can heal any of those hurts. I'm sure, yeah, when my son's arm was broken, uh, the doctors and nurses, they, they hurt him, right? It was not fun, them twerking on his arm. Um, they they even might, may have even hurt him more than like that initial break did. But ultimately, their actions had a redemptive effect. It had a redemptive effect. Yielding to God when we're scared and hurt and lonely is the only way that we ever experience his healing and his restoration. And so despite our own hurts, we need to learn to turn to God in the middle of our own dark nights. We need to say, hey, not my will, but your will be done. Um, and another reason, another reason why we struggle to yield to God. It's just our sin nature, right? The stubborn hard-heartedness that we have that just keeps us responding to God. We have to train ourselves to yield. And I don't know about you, but I have a very stubborn will. It is hard for me sometimes to let go of the way I think things should be. Right? We are stubborn and stiff-necked people. Um, sometimes, even when I know that I'm wrong, I know I'm doing something wrong, I'm just like, this is the way I'm doing it. Okay? Uh, I have a hard time. Admit it. Right? Because I can't, I can't tell you how many times like I, I've been, been trying to build something. Right? I'm trying to put something together like a piece of furniture and, um, or, or like an exercise equipment or some kid's toy, and, and I miss something in the instruction manual. And, and I'm like, oh, well, it's good enough. It, it works. And, uh, and I know it's not wor working right, but I just try to push through sometimes. Right? Like, even though I must know I must have messed up somewhere along the way. Um, my kids even do this. Like you see them do it with the Legos sometimes, right? They're building these elaborate Lego things. They're following the instructions, and they miss something. And it's like, oh, why is that not working? And they have to like, oh, because you missed the instructions. Now that's just a silly example of how I can be pig-headed about doing things my way. But the sad truth is that I struggle with yielding to God in all sorts of areas of my life, right? In uh, the way I choose to exercise, or not. <laughs> And how I choose to get up in the morning, right? Because often in the morning, right, I'll wake up and I'll reach over for my phone and I'll grab my phone and before I get out of bed, I'll play like a couple of games 
of just like saying things I do and like because I had little notifications for daily challenges like on my Sudoku and and on my uh, solitaire and and so I'm like okay well I gotta beat these challenges and then I'll get out of bed um, or when I go to sleep way too late um, because I'm, I'm trying to watch something and like I'm like oh, oh well, I'm not gonna watch that because my kids wouldn't like it or I just don't think it's appropriate for their ages and so I'll stay up way too late after they go to bed uh, watching something and then I'm cranky at the rest of the day, right? Or, or how I communicate with my, my, my family and my friends. Or, um, you know, I'm an introvert, but sometimes I spend too much time in solitude. Um, or sometimes it's saying yes to too many things or saying no to the wrong things, right? And all those little choices that I make, all those little choices, most of those aren't huge choices, most of those are little things, but they demonstrate how much I'm willing to yield, right? How much am I willing to yield? How much am I willing to surrender to the will of God in my life? Uh, Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that appears right, but in the end leads to death, right? All those little choices, all those little choices lead you down a path. And any path that does not lead to Christ is a path that leads to death because he's the firstborn of all creation. He's for all things and in him, all things are held together. And the consequence of not yielding to Christ is death. It's no longer being held together by him. It's to be pulled this way and that way without an anchor, right? To not have a center. Your whole life becomes on shifting stand. And though you may be able to maintain balance for a moment, everything eventually is gonna fall apart. Despite the hard-hearted, stubborn nature of humanity, um, or because of the hard-hearted, stubborn nature of humanity, we have a hard time yielding to God. And uh, I don't know about you, but have you ever felt like that? Like, 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 like your life is moving this way and that way, and, and, and despite your best intention, despite trying your hardest, despite your hard effort and careful planning and tenacious persistence, you cannot hold your life together. It is just not quite working out. Have you felt that? If you haven't, just wait. It's coming. You will feel that. And, and, the, and the worst thing about those feelings is it's true. You can't. You can't hold that life together. Right? And all, the, and all the feelings that come up with that, that, that you're not enough and you can't do enough, that's true too. You are not enough. You can't do enough. And those feelings, they're there. They teach you how to yield. They, t they should be training you to have a yielded posture to the will of God in your life. Uh, James chapter 4, verses 13 through 15 read. Now listen. You who say tomorrow, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on this business and make money. Why do you even know what will ha happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. We are a mist. We don't have any power over much of our lives. We don't. Um, uh, we're, we're not enough. We can't do enough. And, and, and this might seem contrary to something I, some other things I've been taught. After all, one whole year, right, um, my, my blessing was um, 
that that you are enough and you have enough. And I concluded every Sunday service with that. Those words, you are enough, you have enough, Christ is enough. And I still believe that to be true. You are enough and you do have enough for all that God's called you to. But the world will continually try to put more than what you're called to on you. Um, it's continually trying to take more of you than what you have to give. And that's part of the broken pattern of creation, right? The results of a fallen world. It's the wages of sin. We were designed to rule over creation for God, right? To steward, to shepherd for God's purposes, leading it in worship of the creator. That's our intended role. But through sin, creation tries to assert its rule over us. Survival of the most ruthless. And the world takes and takes for us, demanding more than we were ever made to give. And so there's always a pressure for more, to be better, to do more, to work harder, to play harder, to have more. Because in the economy of the world, nothing is ever enough. Nothing is ever enough. And so we have to yield to God and his economy. Uh, there's, there's this quote by uh, John Calvin I really like. I'm not a huge Calvin fan, but I really love this quote. Until men feel they owe everything to God, that they are cherished by his paternal care, and that he is the author of all their blessings, so that there is nothing to be looked away for from him, they will never submit to him in voluntary obedience. Indeed, unless they place their entire happiness in him, they will never yield their whole selves to him in truth and sincerity. We need to learn how to recognize that yielding to God is the best thing for us, not just for us, right, but for our families. Right? My family benefits from me being yielded to God. My friends benefit from me being yielded to God. My neighbors benefit from me being yielded to God. My community benefits from me being yielded to God. Because when we yield to God, we're finding life. When we yield to God, we find life. That's why Paul said in Galatians 2.20, We have been crucified with Christ, and no longer I live, but Christ lives with me. The life I now live in the body, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When we yield to God, we crucify ourselves, right? Our wounded, broken, stubborn, hard-hearted selves, we crucify that with Christ so that we can be raised with him, healed, repaired, restored, reconciled. In our surrendering to God, we give him our wounded self and returned, given, gifted, a resurrected new creation. Right? That's why it says in Philippians 1.21, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Christ is life. To have a yielded posture towards God is to surrender that life. Um, to surrender to the priorities of this world. And to live into the priorities of the kingdom of God. Um, it, it's kind of funny that another definition of yield uh, refers to a harvest. Right? right? The yield of crops that you put in. The yield is the harvest of the things of what you're growing. And, and when we do not yield to God we end up harvesting the fruits of this world. Um, immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy and drunkenness. Uh, that's from Galatians 5. Those are the fruits of this world. Right? Those fruits, they may taste sweet for a moment, but just for a moment. But through a yielded posture, our lives can yield the fruit of the spirits. Love, joys, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
Which one sounds like a better harvest? A yielded life brings more life. First uh, John 2.17, the world and its desires will pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. We can harvest a better life by developing a year for God so that we can yield to what God wants to do in our lives, so we can engage with the world as God wants us to engage, especially when we're wounded, especially when we're tempted to do things out of our own stubbornness and vanity. We have that practice of yielding. Through the distractions, we need to be able to still yield. And so we practice it bit by bit, day by day, yielding to the Lord in prayer. Um, and, and this is why we, we, we pray as Jesus taught in, in this prayer that we pray every Sunday, and hopefully more than every Sunday, but this Lord's Prayer, right? The Lord's Prayer that we pray. There's a reason why we pray that, because it's being written on our hearts, right? We say together, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? As a community, together we remind each other and encourage one another to yield ourselves to God. Together we practice writing those words on our hearts, right? So that even in the darkest times of our lives, when we, we have the words, we have the words to call out to God and to yield to him. Um, you know, I think... Uh, Christie told the story one time of uh, David Bowie. <laughs> David Bowie um, was at a concert, and it was a tribute. And it was a tribute for Freddie Mercury, who had died of AIDS. And he just, he got up on stage, and he's like, I just, he prayed the Lord's Prayer. And he's like, oh, I, I don't know why I did that. <laughs> but there was just something in him that was calling out. Right? Some, somewhere along the line. That, that was just wrote, written on his heart. And so, in his grief, um, he prayed the Lord's Prayer. So, he, he led, a, led a whole crowd of people. Um, you know, and I don't know, I'm not saying that David Bowie's a Christian, I don't know his heart. But somewhere along the line, that was written there. And that's where he turned when he was brokenhearted. I mean, shoot, even on his deathbed, his last words were, the struggle is real, but so is God. Yeah, great last words, huh? <laughs> Anyways, sorry, I'm a David Bowie fan, but just little, little tidbits of uh, information. Um, we're learning the Lord's voice so that in the middle of our dark nights of our soul, we too can say, not my will, but your will be done. Uh, th this is the last message in our, our prayer series, Deeply Rooted, uh, because developing a yielded posture, praying for a yielded heart, is something we're gonna be spending our whole lifetime doing. Our whole lifetime we're doing it. It's not easy work, but it's good and it's necessary. New life in Christ starts with yielding ourselves to him. But that struggle continues at every stage of our life. At every stage of our faith, we continue to surrender more and more, deeper and deeper. 
Right? I thought I meant, knew when I was a young man, like what it meant to give my life to Christ. Every year I grow older, I'm like, oh, oh. oh, I was so ignorant then. There's more I have to surrender. Things I didn't know that I was holding on to. We're always learning and practicing, yielding to God. So this morning, one last time, um, would you guys all rise? And we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer. We're going to, as a community, work on writing those words in our heart. Um, through this prayer, through praying to the Lord as he taught. So please pray with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Uh, Kia ora.